welcome to Emma's podcast. In today's podcast, I have somebody that I'm absolutely curious about um, that's joining in. Uh, Mike Camp will be joining us later on. My guest today is Dr. Jojo Valco Sesson, is the order OTAR. Oh my goodness, sorry guys, I'm a little bit sick, so my voice is not good and my pronunciation even worse. <laughs> I'm a, uh, he's a proactive Christian apologist, humanitarian physical therapist, is the world's first doctor of manual therapy from Philippines and master of orthopedic manual therapy through the Ola Grimsley Institute. And you have done so many things with NASA, with others, that it's unbelievable. So I wanted to say hello to you, Dr. Jojo Sesson. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm honored to be able to connect with your audience. I am from the Philippines originally, but I'm here in Bourbon, Illinois, about 60 miles south of the Chicago Loop in Illinois, USA. Okay, so the question I have, uh, for you is how because you're born in the Philippines how did you get into the U.S. how what was your your journey to go from the Philippines to the U.S. okay that was uh, okay that's um well we'll have, we have time so I think yeah I'll I, I'll set the um the playing field of how I came over here the main playing field is basically affecting everybody so uh, I'm going to talk to your audience as well that each human being who is aware and alive find are, are here finding meaning. Without meaning, you will you will disintegrate. You will become local cocoa, and and you're going to be insane. So, to be cohesive in your thought and being alive, it's about finding meaning, and it's what you're going to do with your life. So uh, it's a process, and uh, that's why we have the educational system, and then you have a self-study thing. So to, to, to uh, talk to everybody, I, I would like to begin the thought that we are all aware that we exist in the world, mm -hmm. as much as um, when Descartes, in, back in 1644, said, cogito ergo sum, mm -hmm. which means, I think, therefore I am, we know that each individual listener uh, has that identity, that they are alive, that they are aware, that they are sentient. But there's always um, a, the big question of why are we here? Right? Is there a God? So for sure, everybody listening right now, Emma, knows that they are alive. They are important. Every single human being on earth has a right to be here, was meant to be here. And it's finding meaning. So that's how I'm going to begin my story, finding meaning in, uh, in life to define who you are. So uh, you're going back to your first question, how I got here. It's all about the, um, the family educational system, the social cultural environment. I came from a um, fairly religious uh, uh, Filipino, um, Filipino family. And um, the culture uh, teaches, teaches us, or at least taught me that family is important, that you have to return the good things that were given unto you. So as uh, I was growing up in the Philippines, I was looking at where can I go in the future? You have to look into, uh, into your thought process. What are you going to do? You're not just existing. You're actually moving along life to, you're, I'm, I was going to grow up, go and get an education. And I thought of perhaps America. 
and why because for based on at least what you can see in the television mm-hmm. and and radio and books that America is that shining hill on the city oh, I mean, I'm sorry shining city on a hill mm-hmm. that means it's the land of opportunity and why do I say that because um, the majority of these successful people are coming from or living in America it's a place where you have freedom and uh, a lot of people now they say they misdefine what freedom is they think that freedom is to be able to do anything you want that's actually the wrong idea of freedom freedom means that you can pursue the things the good things in life from education to humanities to, to funding you can pursue that without anybody anybody stopping you or telling you you can't do it so that's freedom you can do this without somebody trying to rob you or kill your family or anything like that so from the philippines i wanted to come to america because i know that this is where i'm going to meet all the authors of the books i wanted to be and as a little child i wanted to become a doctor scientist and astronaut and i know that as a little child well every little child knows that they can they believe that they can be anything any anyone and achieve anything until an adult tells them they can't do it and then when they stop believing that's when problems come about so it's that childlike um initiative to keep on wanting because if, as long as you want something with passion it will happen and um, most people now in the secular world calls it the law of attraction whatever yeah. you put your mind into it will happen so in a in a nutshell that's the idea how i got to america from the philippines as a middle class family it was your dream it was your beliefs your faith right. it was it was a belief of to make something out of your life yes so that's, it's about meaning wonderful. yes it is So when you arrived here in the US, what exactly what was the first step for you to do? Did you went to school right away? What was the step when you arrived here in the US? And what and the other question I have for you is because you live in the Philippines and which city did you arrive here in the US? Was it Illinois? Was it uh, there or did you arrive somewhere else in a different city? And what was the biggest um <laughs> Um, I would say, you know, between the Philippines and the U.S., what was the biggest difference of the culture shock or the surprise okay. you had? All right. Well, to answer all those, I think you have about three questions in there. First of all, is uh, if you want, so, if you want to become, well, usually it's a better person to make yourself a better individual. So education is foremost in where I come from in the Philippines. My line of uh, line of, uh, of of study that I interest me was science. And taking care of people, so I became a physical therapist. So I knew that to go to from one place to another, you have to look into how can you get there. And um, during that time, that this was back in 1984 and 85, there was a demand for physical therapists in the USA because um, it's a growing type of um, of patient care, but there were not enough physical therapists that are graduating from universities in America. So what so when that happens in uh, in the USA they allow a certain amount or quota of, th- of physical therapists or any other profession from other countries to enter to supplement the demand provided that well, of course they speak english you have the education 
or the equivalent education and you pass your examinations. So I had to, so that's what I did. And I applied, uh, applied until I got to where I am and progressed some more. But to answer about culture shocks, there, there are culture shocks because uh, in any country, um, most countries are homogeneous. Like Japan, you know, there's a Japanese culture. China, there's a Chinese culture. Philippines, there is a Filipino culture. Uh, the U- but the U.S. is a mix. It's a, a melting pot. There, so there's no real one, one culture. So I guess culture shocks. Uh, number one, I guess that I've never seen poor people that are overweight. That's one culture shock. To me, where I come from, when you say poor, you can't don't have anything to eat. So it was a it, it was a shock for me to see that when people say they're poor yet they're overweight, that means they're they have caloric intake. They're, and then they have a television, they have a car, they have a wristwatch. So okay. I, I I realized that the uh, people of different cultures have a different standard in and definition of what let's say poor was. Yeah. Right. Or even mm-hmm. when somebody who's, let's say, let's say you're um, overweight. OK. Mm-hmm. And then you say it's lunchtime and you say you're starving. I'm starving. That definition is different when you have a little girl who hasn't eaten for two days in the Philippines yep. or in the when, when she says I'm starving yep. versus someone who's well fed saying I'm starving. Yep. So, again, I have to I have to modify my nomenclature of wordings. Because mm-hmm. I, I realized I'm not in a, in a homogeneous culture anymore. So I have to be open-minded and, and use the same, and the same meanings of, a, of, of language. Although I can speak English, the, the, um, the inherent meanings have suddenly changed and modified. So that's the answer, at least, at least the two questions that you gave me. What, <laughs> what was the third one? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, I forgot the third one, actually, because I've been so listening to you that uh, I think you answered uh, the culture shock, because for me, it's like when you go from one specific country and you go to the others, I liked what you mentioned, because a lot of people were saying, well, the building, house, uh, you know, the space and the traveling and stuff like that. So for me, it's very good that you mentioned actually something that is extremely concrete, which is the difference between some of the words we're using from one country to the other and the signification of the meaning of it. So that's pretty powerful. So you arrived here, you started uh, to work and I realized that you have been working with NASA. You have started several projects, Project Romp, and I want to know more about that project. Project Michelangelo, you're working with astronauts. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mission Bull Eyes is something I want to talk about as well. Angel Rising, uh, your magazines. The magazine, and yeah. I learned something that makes, still makes me laugh. I'm like, really? It's too bad we cannot do a demo. So you can dance. Yes. <laughs> I heard you can dance. And I'm like, really? So you do river dancing as well. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's very, very interesting. So the first question I have for you. Should we call you sir or should we call you doctor? Because I heard you you got knighted by the Queen of England. Oh no, I'm not. Project well, Blackburn well, LSR well, nineteen. Can we yeah. explain a little bit on that? Because okay, I'll explain. It's cultural. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the Philippines, it is a sign of respect when someone has more uh, has a, a either older or achieved uh, 
uh, achieve the things in society like education or mm-hmm. or anything else. So it's a sign of respect that you call as as much as you call him sir. Okay, so in the Philippines, that's very common. When when the people around you recognize that you have achieved greater things, they call you sir. So it's not a formality of a knighting. I would love to have that if I had the opportunity, but that's why. But the doctors won. But I'm really very casual because I use those titles only as needed, depending on the need for it. If I was giving a, a lecture in a university, of course, I will be a doctor. But if I'm talking to friends, I'm just Jojo. I'm just, I just want to be called basically a servant of Jesus Christ. That, because that's my chosen field of humanities. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, so you, you can just call me Jojo. That's, I think that's the easiest one. It's so friendly and like I'm just one of your family. And because that's who I am in the sense in humanity. I am Absolutely. just family. So how did you get it started to work with NASA? How, how did you connect it with NASA? How did it happen? Okay, that's really a good question because the answer to that is almost incredible. And I want to know about it. <laughs> well, it all begins in childhood. Everything that, anything that everyone is and what makes himself or herself is always based on childhood. Mm-hmm. The first seven years of life is the most crucial. That's the, called the formative years in learning. That's why if you expose a child of two years old to another one language, you don't have to teach that child the language. All you need to do is immerse them and they will know the language. And that sense of, uh, and that sense of formative years, that's, that's important where they, the child needs to have par- loving parents, parents who would, would believe in them. So it's important for a, for a child to hear that I believe in you. Once you have that, then the child's imagination grows and spills into reality. So from uh, it's like science fiction to science fact, mm-hmm. it happens. So when I was asked because of the my when my father in nineteen in July of nineteen sixty nine told me I was six years old then said the son let's watch television and it was the landing of Apollo eleven on the moon. Right, it was July 1969. Amazing. So while I was, yeah. So uh, my my father didn't realize he was he, my late father. He's passed away 92 already. He didn't realize that he exposed me to to an opening a door to what I would like to be in the future. That's why whatever you you show your child, what you say, how you act. It will it will actually affect them, form their future. Because anything in life comes from those formative years. So I attribute my uh, my wanting to learn with uh, or with work with NASA from my father by seeing the these men on the moon, and I would go out at night and look at the moon, and I would think there are people on the moon, and it was like the most fantastic thing. So it's important for a child to to um ignite their passion on like wow that sense of awe so my father did that and then my father always uh, watched science fiction movies uh, in television with me like fantastic voyage i'm not sure if you remember that that's a science fiction yeah. of shrinking a, like a, a like a spaceship full of doctors who can go into the human body I mean, and now they're doing that in um, in uh, these um, the, the recorders like a little micro nanotechnology mm-hmm. So things like that, or land of the giants, or going to Mars and things like that. So 
for me as a child, looking back, now I can actually talk about it, that how important childhood is and what you are as a parent or guardian. This is the time when you will help your child become the person they are. That's why if you tell a child, and I hear this sometimes, when, a, when an adult is angry and they mm-hmm. spill in over with just saying that, I wish you've never been born. Mm-hmm. You know what? That child will remember that. If you tell a little girl that she's ugly, she will remember that the rest of her life. Yep. So I was formed by my parents and the peers that, uh, that I've been exposed to. I was, uh, I was ignited by imagination to, I wanted to become a doctor. I wanted to become a scientist. I wanted to become an astronaut. So when you actually have that passion formed in you, you don't have to know how to do it because by the, by the law of attraction, you will gravitate the right things. And uh, when I do my speeches on talks, I talk about it in terms of, uh, re- of a religion by scripture and mm-hmm. also quantum physics. Yep. Yeah, that it's, it's actually real. Yes. Whatever you want, you will gravitate it towards you. Yes. And uh, in quantum physics, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's um, oh, I can talk about what you call the Heisenberg's principle. It means that you can never, it's impossible to predict the location of one electron because mm-hmm. it's always in flux. Sometimes that electron is in two places at one time. It's like, wow, you, like a person can't be in two places at one time. But an electron can so, so but we are made of these particles. Mm-hmm. That means that we can actually become pretty much anything and we can be almost in any place. And uh, it can be shown by your achievements, mm-hmm. like, uh, like what I do. I wanted to be that. And although I thought it kind of died later on, I'm, as a physical therapist, I was not content because the mind always wants to improve that's Mm -hmm. why you have to teach the child and i was in a i was i was um, brought up in a in an environment where i have to find my potential i believed in that and i believe so it's about believing i believe because people believed in me my father believed in me my mother believed in me i was encouraged so that it's the passion it's not it's not a step-by-step thing once you have that passion it will direct you to the right path. It's just incredible. It's something unseen. It's mm-hmm. something that's real. As much as the world of coincidences, why do things happen? And or you're thinking so much about your friend, some then somehow your friend calls you. Exactly. Or well, yeah. Or, yeah, whatever you think, mm-hmm. it becomes. If you let's say even the opposite, let's say you don't like someone. Yep. The more you think about that person, you will bump into that person and you hate that person. <laughs> yes. Isn't it? Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've seen people, they're so afraid of having a car accident. And in fact, they're thinking about it. So they end up having a car accident. Exactly. So, so for me, I'm finding correlations. Mm-hmm. In scripture, God says that if you, um, whatever a man thinketh, it becomes. So that exactly. a man or woman. Yep. So that's the power of the mind. And exactly. I can translate that into quantum physics. Yep. There is an element, there is a problem in quantum physics that's uh, highly debatable. It's called the, um, the uh, measurement problem. That's the, 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 that's the name for that. Okay. The measurement problem <coughs> states that we have sophisticated equipment that we can actually take a photograph or an electrograph electromicrograph of an atom 
It's like, okay. wow, you can actually take I'm not a, I mean, something, a, a picture yep. of an atom, like, mm-hmm. wow, like so tiny, yet you can take a picture. We have that technology, right? Mm-hmm. Well, but there's a problem. You can take a picture of an atom, but if you set that, that camera automatically without any observer, mm-hmm. there is no atom. The atom does not exist. It only exists when there is a conscious observer that is present. So that's mind-boggling. That means that anything you want in life can can be achievable, but you have to be present. You have to believe. Mm -hmm. So those are just little things I can correlate with from scripture to quantum mechanics and to um, even what you call um, the... the, um, the matrix of possibilities. Mm-hmm. For example, yep. possibilities are events that can, anything can happen random, but when something is about to really happen, you will know it as much yep. as danger or jubilation. Yep. You'll yep. know it. Suddenly, mm-hmm. all these, the intensity of, uh, of that's called the resonance. Mm-hmm. You're starting to feel it. It's going to happen. It's imminent. Yep. And, uh, and what I mean with that, again, if I look at it, if I can compare that with Euclidean, uh, Euclidean or Einsteinian uh, physics. Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, it's like people always, uh, I'm finding that people always debate about God and that is either he's there or not. Well, the answer is he's there. And I can, I can do a, a simple explanation to deep explanation on that. For example, <clears throat> um, I'll give you a story. The young Einstein was asked by his teacher. And this is a true story. He said, Albert, is there God? Is there a God? And Albert Einstein said, as a young boy, said, yes, sir, there is a God. Mm-hmm. The teacher asked Albert Einstein two questions, two posited two questions to base the existence of God. So the teacher asked, can you see God? The answer was no. Can you touch God? Well, the answer is no then there is no God. So that's the teacher. So Einstein is very smart. If that, if that was true, if he used the exact same equation on the teacher, the teacher should win. So Einstein asked, sir, do you have a brain? Yes, teacher said. Can you see your brain? No. Can you touch your brain? No, then there is no brain in that head of yours. <laughs> See? Yeah. So this is, I, so I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not um, making fun of atheists or anything like that. No. I'm just making people think that if you yeah. believe in something and you use a certain equation, that mm-hmm. should be reversible that you will win. Exactly. But the teacher cannot win. That means, and because they can't see. But if you ask people, do you, you, you believe we're made of atoms? And everybody says, yes. And I'll ask you, have you ever seen an atom? Yes, I know. No. So there are things that people um, people are contradict themselves because it becomes more of a rebellion rather than a real uh, a real um, scientific fact or conclusion that based on what, what your their uh, derivatives or how you derive those the conclusion. So <clears throat> so <clears throat> so that's why I'm going back in. It's important for a child. I always uh, I always uh, emphasize the child. You have to ignite their passion because they have their passions. You have to nurture it. My passion is to go out there where no one has gone before. 
So that's why I ended up, I became a physical therapist, but I realized how come some of my patients got better and some didn't get better? The answer, because I was not, I was not trained enough. I did not know. So I found a moral responsibility. If a patient gives their body to me to fix and they trust mm -hmm. me, I have the moral obligation to fulfill that belief. And I did not. So basically what we were doing, we were, we're doing quackery. We're being paid to fix someone, but we're not able to. Mm -hmm. So I, so I, what I did was there must be an answer. So I searched for the most intelligent physical therapist in the world. And I happened to believe I found him. He was Norwegian. I studied under him. And then I became one of his board of directors. Ola Grimsby is his name. I became one of his uh, board of directors and examiners. I started teaching universities all over, and all over the world. But, um, but I guess it's individualized. I'm, I'm in, I, I, I've trained myself or maybe I was raised to be insatiable. Because my view on life is that you have one life. Right. You have one chance. Yep. You cannot waste it. Your brain has so much potential. Mm -hmm. We are a co-creator. Yes. So, so I, I, so I, uh, whenever there's a, um, there's a lacking of my, of what I wanted, I step out of the comfort zone. And that's what I wanted to teach, uh, to tell your audience. Everybody wants a comfort zone. That means comfortable living, comfortable income, comfortable relationships, comfortable house, comfortable vacations. Everybody seems to want that because that's what, the, what society dictates. But Although the comfort zone is a beautiful place, nothing ever grows in the comfort zone. Nothing. The only time that people change is when they're pushed out of their comfort zone. For yes. example, you believe in a relationship. You love your husband. And suddenly your husband says, sorry, Emma, I don't love you anymore. Then what? You're now out of the comfort zone. Now you're starting to, you're starting to struggle who you mm -hmm. are. And so most people, they have a change, a major change in their life to become better, mm -hmm. hopefully better, if they're pushed out of the comfort zone. So my belief then is, I don't have the way to be pushed out of the comfort zone. I will step out of the comfort zone. So every time I, I feel like I'm on top of the mountain, I know what I'm doing, I would step out intentionally, study it, find, find the best teacher, study with them, and pump in my thousands of hours with my, with my work until uh, I got bored again. I got, clean, I got bored academically. So yeah. what's next? I said, if I wanted to develop my mind, I wanted to work with the, with, the, with the smartest people on the planet. When I was thinking, where could I find them? Maybe NASA. So I, people, a lot of physical therapists ask me, how do I get, how do we get to NASA? Yes, so exactly. So everybody wants a recipe. Yes. Like step A, B, C, D, mm -hmm. but there is none. There is no recipe on that. So what I found out is that if you really wanted something, the right conditions will come to you. I met a uh, top scientist from NASA on the, on the, on the uh, Dr. Alan Hargens. He became my mentor. And he's one of the highest uh, civilian awardees of NASA, performs thousands of research. I first, uh, because I wanted this, the what you call the laws of the universe or the karma mm -hmm. or whatever. you gravitate things towards you you mm -hmm. you produce an electron yep. i met the guy and he uh, he discussed something about um the the astronauts don't 
don't know and NASA doesn't know why astronauts develop low back pain in space and why they have herniated discs. They just don't know. So I approached the uh, Dr. Hargens and I, and I said, Dr. Hargens, I think I know what it is. Uh, what's going on? But I was challenged. It's not, it's not as simple as telling them what, what's going on. Uh -huh. As a scientist, you have to have a research. You have to have a peer-reviewed research. Yeah. You have to prove it. So Dr. Hargens challenged me. Well, you have to write a research on it. Yep. And I've never written a research before. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I wrote something to, uh, to uh, something as the best that I can to describe what it is. And I found out that uh, the top, uh, top thinking scientists and astronauts, they're basically one-liners. They don't mess around with words. Um, for example, when, uh, when Dr. Hargens liked what my idea, he sent me an email back with two sentences. And it said, good stuff, period. I will write this with you, period. That's it. Oh my God. Okay. <clears throat> so, so that's, I realized that now I'm going into a different mindset. <clears throat> These are people who think differently at the top of the uh, top of the echelon at, or echelon. And uh, they, they don't, they don't mess around with words. They are just straight to the point, whether it's black, whether it's blue, whether it's big or small, it's it. They, they don't see in casual conversation. Sometimes you hear people talk so much, and but they didn't say anything. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, so what I realized what they don't dabble with irrelevancies. So although I've never written a research before, I did my best to write it, um, and I found out that whenever you write a scientific paper, a peer-reviewed one, it's going to be bounced to different um, uh, high-level thinkers. They yeah. read it to see what they think, and they're going to say mm -hmm. no, yes. Mm -hmm. And I did that and for a total of eight years, eight years. Wow. So on the eighth year, my, my research got published with Dr. Hargan. So I basically uh, rode on his coattails because he's well-known. Putting his name beside me was like, yeah. it was the best thing ever. And from then on, it, uh, that research was the first workable theory why astronauts develop back pain in space. Mm -hmm. And that became the basis why NASA, NASA ended up having a research team. And I was invited because my research was the one who was the, the main research that pivoted why you NASA won. Yeah, because I, yeah. I, 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 uh, it, it was pretty much approved, right? Yes. So, and it opened doors and then. So there's many more that came out of there. But and then I ended up working with 24 expeditions. And yes. working with scientists yeah. and astronauts. Yeah, because you went, <coughs> uh, you did, um, I was reading your bio, uh, and you went on, on some, did you do some of the G8, that's G8, G7, what is the speed? <laughs> Sorry. The, on the, what, what is it, the um, um, zero gravity? Yes, you about? did the zero yeah. gravity. Um, yes. Did you, you do it yourself, or did you, were you part of it, or were you yes. the observer? Well, um, the zero gravity, I actually participated in it because when I was writing about, it's called microgravity in, in uh, movies in Hollywood, they call it zero gravity where you're bouncing mm -hmm. all over in space. Yeah. But then um, the correct term, there's microgravity because you're, 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 you're still close to the earth with gravity. So there's still a little bit of microgravity. Okay. So I was writing about microgravity and low back pain. Mm -hmm. 
And I felt like I didn't have much of an authority when I talk about microgravity because I've never been to space. So I, I looked, I searched for an outfit where I can at least even pay to experience that so that I have some, some moral authority. And I did that through, um, through um, Zero Gravity Corporation uh, with Peter Diamandis. Dr. Peter Diamandis um, uh, was the first person who um, started the X-Price Foundation. He set forth a competition for the first spacecraft to come down, to come, go up and down. Mm-hmm. But I think a $20 million prize. So I found him and I, I was trained by an astronaut who was, who was working privately with Peter Diamandis. So not, when I experienced that zero gravity and also a simulation of what the, the gravity on the moon is, which is a one-sixth of our gravity, and also on Mars, so one-third of our gravity, then I, it, in, it, it widened my horizon. And it's not giving you the words for it. It just gives you that, that sense of, um, of, uh, of battle, of uh, the sense of, uh, of authority. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I was uh, the first physical therapist uh, in the world to do this because no one's ever dabbled into um, to the science of NASA and then it's and from then on it is um, I have so many other stories that's connected to it but that's the the main the main uh, story how I got into NASA and ended up having these relationships with these wonderful beautiful minds that is wonderful because I loved um... I love that you're going back and forth with your childhood and the fact that you wanted to go to the moon. You wanted, you had uh, possibilities to be impressed by what you saw as a young kid on TV and seeing, you know, a spacecraft landing on the moon, which is amazing, and have your parents supporting you along the way to continue to live your dreams and really allow you to really express what you wanted to do in your life and keep on ongoing which not everybody has that quote-unquote privilege at all which is amazing and i'm sure by people listening to you will be inspired actually to realize that it's never too late to do things as well oh never never absolutely never and then that brings me back to why i started project michelangelo yes because I, I wanted to talk about your project. So we're going to go with, with Project Ma- Michelangelo. Please explain what yeah. is Project Ma- Michelangelo and how did you get it started and how did you get the idea and the name, by the way? Okay, great. Wonderful. Well, <clears throat> as, I, as I go back to back and forth to childhood, yep. I was basically programmed because everybody will be programmed by their environment, by their nurturing, mm-hmm. by the love. I was programmed that the human brain and the mind, the brain is only the vehicle of the mind. Mm-hmm. The, uh, it has so much potential that it basically is up to the definition and, and the, responsi- the responsibility of each person in, in uh, living right now to define who or, or, she, or who he or she is. And I wanted to, everybody wants to be uh, different. Everybody has this, uh, what you call this sense of importance, mm-hmm. and it's inherent in everybody. The sense of important means that if you can see it, everybody wants uh, hundreds of likes, for example, in a, in a Facebook thing. Everybody wants to be different. If you cannot be different, then they would put a tattoo that's different because they know they're the only one who has that tattoo. So everybody has that desire to be different, to be unique. And that alone is telling me that we were created with value. 
because we value ourselves. So that sense of importance actually goes in, in, two, in, in a spectrum. Either you achieve so many, so many things that people would know you, or if somebody has not achieved anything, let's say I have not achieved anything and you have achieved so much mm-hmm. and I was a nobody to you. Now, if I come to you proximity, close-wise, and I stuck um, and I pointed a knife right at your ribs, and I and I say, "Your money or your life?" Now, am, am I significant to you or not? I Suddenly, oh, yeah, I am significant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why people do that. That's why children without any family and without yeah. any nurturing, why it's like, why do they do bad things? Why do they end up mm-hmm. doing becoming troublemakers? Because they become significant. Although it's it's antisocial, but to them they are suddenly known. They are they suddenly have a family of people who do the same. It's a sense of significance. Without that sense of significance, the human being will disintegrate, will collapse, mm-hmm. will become insane, will mm-hmm. and and eventually they will commit suicide because there's no more significance. And that's why if um I I was thinking if I was going to leave this earth. Because my life here is only temporary. And I know yeah. it's not because of me. To, uh, to give importance or meaning to your life, I realize you have to give it away. Mm-hmm. So to give it away means, are you leaving the, the world a better place or not? And how can you do, a, do it or make a better place? You start working with children. So now Project Michelangelo is about igniting children to be like, to be the best they can. And, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> so Project Michelangelo, how did that happen? I am, uh, I have placed God above all I do. So God is important to me. That's actually what defines me, okay? And um, <clears throat> from then on, I believe in scripture. I teach it. I teach it not by giving a sermon. I teach it by an example of my life. As much as as a parent, when a parent tells a child, don't lie, and then somebody calls the phone, dad, it's for you. Tell him I'm not here. <laughs> yeah. So the actions of, a, of an adult to a child is so crucial. The child learns that you can actually lie. You don't have to tell them don't lie. Mm-hmm. The parent just showed you how to lie. Mm-hmm. So that's only one example of a gazillion things that people do that the children are actually watching. So when yeah. I use Project Michelangelo, since God is foremost, the Trinity is foremost in who I am. Yep. <clears throat> there are what we call angels, angels mm-hmm. of, uh, of the heavens. And of course, um, we've adapted the term angels to many different ways. But in a, in a sense, these are there's good angels and bad angels. We want the good angels to help out. Mm-hmm. So my idea is if I can teach children at least the, the ideations of becoming like angels on earth, because once you have that idea, the angels on earth, the person, that the child will become that person to be giving, to be to help beyond, beyond oneself. And I looked into St. Michael, the general of God. Yes. So St. Michael mm-hmm. is uh, from the word Michel, M-I-C-H-E-L, mm-hmm. which means like God. Mm-hmm. And Angelo is angel. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's not it's so it's not the artist Michelangelo. So I actually call it Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Americans call it Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. But uh, you'll catch me saying 
Project Michelangelo because that's yes. the Italian uh, yes. pronunciation. So I created so that ideation. If I'm going to have an inspiration, why not have an inspiration from God's highest ranking angel to so, help bless it? Yeah, but so uh, when did you start that that project? And did he came because you had a conversation with God? I call it the universe. Uh, yeah, God mm -hmm. is aka the universe um, for people who don't want to use the word. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, word it's a word thing, you know, but about people. Yeah. No, I use it because one of my sisters do not believe in God, which I'm fine. So I always use when I talk to her, the universe. That's the reason I did that. Um, okay. <clears throat> yeah. I believe what she wants to believe. I'm fine with that. I believe in God. So I'm yeah, so, 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 um, so let, let's do just a little bit of talk on uh, <clears throat> why God is important. <clears throat> mm -hmm. It's impossible for someone not to have God. <clears throat> and I'm not saying this is a philosophical argumentation. Oh, yeah. According, uh, you're familiar with Carl Gustav Jung, J U N G. Yes, yes. Okay. Carl Young, Gustav yes. Mm -hmm. And he's uh, from his uh, point of view, he's a, he's a very well respected psychoanalyst. Um, mm -hmm. Born in, I think, 1875, died in 1961. Yeah. But anyway, he said that it's impossible to really have to live and become who you are without God. It's not, the, not necessarily the God of the Hebrew Bible, but. Mm -hmm. For a person to be whole, to have an identity, you need to have a, a certain me methodology of thinking and cohesion yeah. that becomes your prime, your primary guiding uh, principle for your your form of morality. Mm -hmm. That means if you don't have the Hebrew, the Hebrew, the God of the Hebrew Bible, then you have to have a God. Your God becomes becomes yourself. Mm -hmm becomes uh it becomes nothing matters but you mm -hmm. but you still have that because if you don't have that form of god you will you will be insane you will commit suicide mm -hmm. so that what defines the person so it's impossible to become a, a sentient a talking working person without god so it may be a small letter god but that's why nothing else matters but yourself but mm -hmm. that what defines you. So according, this is now psychoanalysis. You cannot survive as a human being without God. Either mm -hmm. you is either the God of beyond you or something that's you. It's just you, and and your morality is defined by how you feel. You see that exactly. all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's my definition. So Project Michelangelo, I was it was actually born out of corruption. When wow. I say corruption, <clears throat> excuse me, I will say. Um, I joined a, um, a, a paramilitary group in the Philippines, and I was um, tasked by an admiral in the Philippines to help build a small school for a small tribes people in the mountains. So I raised all the funds, um, well, good $10,000 I raised it, but uh, it was misused and no school was built. It was pocketed. And it's not a just. It's not a one story. It's it happens everywhere. And uh, oh yeah, you know, humanitarian organization claiming yep. to be humanitarian. You give your mm -hmm. money and then it disappears. I know. Okay, and that's what upset me the most, actually. <clears throat> yeah, isn't it? Okay. Now, yes. when when you are gypped or when money is stolen from you, most people's reaction is, "I'm not going to help anymore. I'm going to throw in the towel. Forget it." That's usually oh. the, people. People get angry. Right. Well, it's, a, it's a typical reaction. Like what, what I would say would be slightly different as I will not have that organization anymore, but I will look at closely as somebody else's who I can trust. Right. Now, so people may look, but, but now they're 
but now their trust is tarnished. Now yes, you, it's, not, it's, it's yes. like being heartbroken. It's difficult to yeah. trust another man, right? Well, yeah. So, so I, I think out of the box because you have you can't teach you can't think like everyone else. Otherwise, you're going to be like everyone else. So I was so, thinking instead instead of throwing the towel, okay, I, I'm going to create my own foundation. I like that spirit. So That's I created. Good. So yeah. So yeah. I so I prayed to God and I yeah. asked um, and mm -hmm. sort of help. And you believe, you pray, and it will, and you will have an answer. Yes. It may not be in your timetable, but there will be an answer. It's never on your timetable. That's never. You, okay. We need to emphasize because people think that <laughs> if you pour, you co-create with the universe, uh, people think it's going to happen in fifteen minutes. And I remind everybody when I I talk it that it's not a drive-through. You don't push the button and order and pay, mm -hmm. and you get it. It takes time. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, so in 2011, I had an opportunity. I met a little girl who had who was suffering from this condition called progeria or yes. Hutchinson-Gilford progeria syndrome, mm -hmm. and it's very rare. It's a genetic genetic aberration, but yes. it's not genetically transmitted because these children yeah. never have children. No. Okay. So I found one that's not being helped much in the Philippines. Yep. So I decided I'm going to create a foundation. I'm going to help her. Okay. And that's where it started. That's and then when I, when, I, when I found the Progeria Research Foundation, which I, uh -huh. I work with in, Massa in, Massa in Boston, Massachusetts, yep. I asked them statistically, how many Progeria children are there in the Philippines? Statistically. And they gave me a number, six. Statistically, oh, six. That's, a, that's a, a quick number to give. Yeah, uh, because uh, they, they, did, they did their mathematics. It was in the world, it was 200 to 250 in the world out of 7 billion or 6 billion during that time. <coughs> so they gave me a number. That was 2011. Okay. Emma, I found all of them. Yeah, I saw the picture, actually. I, I saw found the picture. Them. Yeah. Okay. So it's not because I, I had this, this, um, uh, this uh, work with trying to work fine and they basically just came to me that's one because that's again the loss of the universe which is actually just yes. a branch of the laws of god mm -hmm. that uh, you are working with the things that are given to us as a humanity yes. and then it goes on from then on it it went into different branches into helping other children and now mm -hmm. i have a rescue team in the philippines we're doing uh, rescuing from uh, from wars uh, from um, wars to um, to floods and typhoons and we plant trees so it keeps on going i am i didn't expect it to be that i didn't plan exactly what to do all i did was bring or ignite an idea and passion to the, to the young people and yes. and you trust them when yep. they trust you as a leader you mm -hmm. will trust them as a follower and they have these great ideas. And then they're, it's not just ideas. Most people have an idea, but they don't want to do it. It's yes. like, I have an idea, but you do it. <laughs> people do that all the time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. So I, 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 I sifted humanity of my, my volunteers. If you have an idea, go for it. Let's do it. I'll help you. Let's look at it. Let's look at the angles. And that's what I did until it grew and it grew and it grew. And until uh, even uh, help in uh, fighting, uh, I have an anti-terrorist um, initiative as well in the Philippines. Oh, that's Big, good. Huh? So yes. I, I've even reached into that level. It's not because I planned on it as a child, because the passion to to be part of humanity, to leave it a better place. Yes. 
was there. So, and that's what Project Michelangelo came about. So is this project only in the Philippines or is it somewhere else in the <laughs> The home base is in here in the U.S., in Illinois. Okay. Um, but I do work a lot more with the Philippines because I find more of the volunteers willing to work over there. It's a completely different culture there. Yes. Here, people want to be served. They want to be, uh, most people here want to be part of something big, but they don't really want to put in the hours. Yes. People want to be comfortable here. Over yes. there, if you give an idea and passion, people there, like, you can find them, but they will actually work for it. Yes. As long as they, they have a rep, they belong to something. And I gave them a family called Project Michelangelo Foundation. And that's and then and then I was thinking, if we're gonna help the children, we also have to help the next best thing, the mothers. Yes. So now I start going to the women, the young women, the older women, and then I I established Angel Rising magazine. Exactly. An opportunity for the young women or older women to be published to express mm -hmm. their ideas, but uh, it's faith-based because uh, there is no morality outside of scripture. Mm -hmm. There is none. Mm -hmm. The Bible is a is it's even its own precondition for truth Yes. because it, it, tells, uh, it tells a guiding principle. Just imagine if the 10 commandments were all adhered to by all governments, do you think there'll be grafting corruption and things like that? No, unless no. they really want to be. Yeah, people out. don't want it because they're everybody's committing. Yes, uh, committing all the transgression. So exactly. it's a pre, it's even a precondition to its own truth. The only mm -hmm. thing that's very very uh, it's a very uh, obvious in the Bible in the Hebrew Bible is, uh, and Judeo Christian is that nothing there says that your opinion matters, mm -hmm. but the world teaches that truth. Is some is relative, just like um, Soren Kierkegaard, uh, the philosopher. He says that whatever you believe is true must be true. Yes, but well, for the person it is, but it's not necessarily true. Exactly. It, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, good and evil is actually mm -hmm. exist, and uh, you can even see it in Hollywood. How come Hollywood? Let's say Hollywood, a movie, good always prevails. Yes. Yeah, even in history, because people actually know inherently what good and bad is exactly. but it's but it's a, it's arranged to us uh, to us by by an almighty <clears throat> yes. and it's died for us humanity but we keep on rebelling and and now in the whole world and the secularism now teaches that whatever you think is right must be right if it mm -hmm. if it hurts you if it hurts you emotionally it must be wrong mm -hmm. just imagine if opinion was the was the litmus of right and wrong, then you would have to deal with 7.8 billion opinions, which is the the, um, the number of people currently in the world. That That's uh, it's equal to chaos. Yes. Okay, so we have that guy. So this is my um, my my point of view on that, because I know there's other people who would agree or disagree. But uh, I asked the Holy Spirit for for uh, for for the uh, wisdom of Solomon. Mm -hmm. The things that I'm telling you, I, I ask for it. Yeah. God gives me these, and I know it is because it's from, it's from a higher power. It's beyond what my control. Mm -hmm. But somehow, even you being drawn into this conversation oh, yeah. is not, uh, I don't believe in coincidence. There is no coincidence. Yeah. Coincidence is only no. God's, God's anonymity. Yes, or coincidence or luck is perfect synchronicity <coughs> orchestrated by the universe. 
that's the magic of the universe, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, whatever you want to call it. I always said, and I explain to people, the chessboard that is our lives, the universe, aka God, is the one moving the pieces on that chessboard. We are not God and we are not moving the pieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The universe is moving all of the pieces. So Yeah, there are laws that we cannot break. And no. uh, <clears throat> there is a God because there's so much intelligibility in the universe. Mm-hmm. And I always mention also to people, we have our life lessons to learn and those you cannot escape. Yeah, now you, you learn. And uh, the bottom line is we are all held accountable. Yes. And some people are not. In our yes. life, we are all, no exceptions. Yes. We are all held accountable, whether you believe mm-hmm. it or not. I know. Yeah, they'll yeah. see it at the end. Yeah, I know. I always because in, in, go ahead. And all my talks, I always tell them, whether you believe in God or not, on your last breath, you will say, oh, my God. Exactly. And then you go on the other side and you deal with the council. <clears throat> yeah. yeah so it's explain up, so, all of your deeds. Yeah, so. I, can, I cannot condemn anybody because it's nope. not my... Uh, if, I, if someone calls themselves religious or Christian and they condemn someone immediately when it's not it's only god that can condemn you can yes. condemn the action but yep. you cannot condemn the the individual exactly. because it's it's god's it's god's uh, business not exactly. our business mm-hmm. so now i wanted to know a little bit more about the project romp romp okay yes there's yes. yes. a great story <laughs> okay. good uh part of my the things that interest me as a child is history mm-hmm. world war ii is history because our family was involved with World War II. It's a, in fact, my mother um, almost died. He was, she was born in 1941 when the Japanese uh, Imperial Army invaded the Philippines. The Japanese were so cruel. It's, it was unbelievable. It's hard to understand why a certain culture can be so cruel, killing people, killing, p- raping, pillaging, like, like there's no value to human life. And I, and I began to understand it's actually their culture that when they um, when in the, in their in the superior, superiority complex of the culture of the emperor that if you are, if you have surrendered because the honor system is so high if you surrender then you lose your value as a human being that's their culture so a, a surrendered country they can do anything they want. They can kill you, rape you, whatever you want, take away things. So my mother was born in 1941. When the Japanese uh, soldiers came to the village where my mother lived, they were killing, of course. Mm-hmm. They were gathering. They were piling up all the babies, yeah. piling it up, yeah. grabbing them, taking their turns, throwing the infant in the air and bayoneting, bayoneting the infant. Wow. Okay. Why? It's a sport. It's there's no value. It, it was cruel. Yeah. My grandmother hid my mother in the chicken coop. Oh my goodness. Okay. Thank you, grandma. But, yeah, but my but my mother did not make a sound. She did not cry. Good. If my mother cried when the Japanese soldiers came out, she would have been bayoneted. Yeah. <laughs> so, and my my grandfather, which is uh, her dad was a gorilla and i remember the story of um, they have to go to the mountains and yeah. and he would he would he would uh, once in a while visit and bring them food yeah so so it's it's a big thing right uh so in uh, 2008 i was introduced to a man here in close to where i live in mantino illinois his name is ray ollie raymond joseph ollie <clears throat> 
in, in October 1944, he was a 20 year old sailor and he was part of MacArthur, General MacArthur's invasion force that defeated the Japanese army oh, wow. and the Japanese Union forces. He actually fought in that war. And I met him. So this man who I met had, had a passion for Filipinos. He loved the Filipinos. And here I was, his new best friend, a Filipino. When I visited him, I was wearing a naval outfit, a naval uh, uh, uniform because I was a, uh, I'm a lieutenant commander in the Philippine Coast Guard Auxiliary. Yeah. So we had an all-white naval uniform. Yeah. I visited him, and he was so pleased, and we became best friends from then on. Knowing him from 2008, he died in 2020. We did, we did many things that is very patriotic, and so so am I. And we went, uh, we joined each, uh, each other in each other in parades and in talks about military. About and he also suffered PTSD uh-huh. because um, his uh, his friends got killed with machine gun, and he did he was not hit, and he always wondered why his friend beside him got killed by machine gun from a Japanese zero where he did not. So he did suffer from PTSD. But aside from that, <coughs> me, he, he found a puppy in New Guinea, oh, okay. a little puppy, mm-hmm. a puppy he named Eleanor, uh, a female puppy, uh, yep. a German shepherd. Yep. And he smuggled that puppy in the ship, oh. the LSM 311, that's the name of the ship, mm-hmm. and hid it from the captain. Uh-huh. And, and hand fed with milk and whatever. And so the dog went to war in the, in the ship <laughs> with him, right? Okay. Now, when uh, the dog grew and he couldn't keep the dog anymore uh, hidden. So he, he uh, told the captain, I have a dog. And the captain uh, decided to keep the dog because it was a source of comfort for the sailors. Well, yeah. A friend, right? A friend, yes. a dog. Yes. And the name is Eleanor. Well, when the war was over, they were headed back to San Diego across the Pacific Ocean. And uh, when he was asleep, one of the crew members decided <clears throat> to be cruel and threw Eleanor <gasps> in the Pacific Ocean to die, to drown and die while Ray was sleeping. So Ray, Ray woke up and his one of his uh, crew members, a friend, said that, you know what, because he was looking for Eleanor. What yeah? Eleanor is not here. Uh, Eleanor's dead. Someone threw him, threw her overboard. And the, the man said, Ray, I know who did it. You want to know who did it? And Ray Ali said, I don't want to know his name. Please don't tell me his name. He did not, he did not want to hold a grudge on one on a specific person. That's how ge- a gentleman Ray was. Wow. But fast forward to uh, to his life. He was in New Jersey. Um, he suffered from PTSD and plus um, I know Eleanor was important because even the day that the, the days that he was dying, he would talk about Eleanor. Good. Okay. So uh, when he uh, when his wife of seventy three years died around uh, I think around February of twenty twenty, and then his his health went downhill from there. Mm-hmm. And you, you, it, it's the hardest thing for any couple who's lived so long that when one dies, the other one doesn't. He doesn't want to live anymore. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. But anyway, Ray died. Ray Ali died, and I was there by his bedside when he died. Two uh, two other children of his, but the other ones were not there. And I, he died while I was singing songs for him, because we loved to sing together. And uh, he died 
around 8.30 p.m. when the fireworks were starting because it was the 4th of July. So God even made the synchronicity of his death at the time of, of, yeah. And um, so we have this, this relationship I would just relate with Ray. We were like teenagers mm-hmm. and Eleanor and I was singing songs and I even have a, one time I'll share you. The daughter actually recorded me singing a song for him when he was dying. But anyway, when he died and the fireworks were beginning, I stood up and I gave one final salute and I cried like a baby. And I know Ray and I, we wanted to do more things to, to tell people about how to love their country and God and country and family. And I, I wanted, I said, and I told her, and we're going to continue. The, this, this thing is not going to die. So I now I wanted to make, I, I went to the Philippines with my connections and I talked and I was a guest of the Philippine house of representatives. And I was able to get him three medals. One of them is a gold congressional medal of honor. I got him that because I love Ray. Mm-hmm. I wanted, I wanted, I call him hero and he's kind of, He's kind of embarrassed. Oh, I'm not a hero. No, you are. So I was able to prove he was a hero of his actions in the film because he yeah. went back to the Philippines after the war to help the poor. Emma, that's after the war. He went back to the Philippines to help the poor build houses. So I presented that, that this man is not your ordinary no. sailor. No. So I made a promise that I will keep his memory alive. So what better thing but to make a memorial of him and I want to resurrect Eleanor. So it's a statue of him, Ray Ali, and Eleanor. And this time, not just to honor him, but honor all the veterans. Yes. Especially the World War II veterans. Yes. They're they're dying at around around the 240, 200 to 260 per day. We're losing the World War II veterans. Yeah. So I wanted to honor the, all the veterans and uh, give awareness on PTSD-related suicide and yeah. also work on awareness against animal cruelty. I wanted this to be a legacy for the children of tomorrow so they're not forgotten. So um, it's, not just a, uh, it's not just a memorial, but it's, although Ray is uh, Ray and Eleanor, I'm, so now I'm thinking Eleanor's death was not in vain. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get her up again in a statue and then I'm going to tell people about the story so, so people will be kinder because kindness is a lifestyle. And we, we are stewards of God's creation. We're not here to yes. just cruel, be cruel to anything and anyone. So that's my goal. And, uh, and uh, also all the allied forces and all the, um, all the soldiers and sailors that also have the different ethnic backgrounds like the, the American Indians, the Chinese Americans, the Japanese Americans. There are also Japanese Americans who serve the United States. So I want to mm-hmm. I want to teach the, the the children of tomorrow about what what this country is all about, what the United States is all about, what democracy democracy is all about, why the, all the Allied forces came together to stomp out the axis of evil. So that's my that's the things that i can i i know that i can be part of and i want to invite everybody to join me in this not just me i don't want this to be my project it's what i I was ready to ask you it's what i was ready to ask you what do you need from people who are listening and gonna be listening to the podcast what do you need from people (coughs) for those two projects and more because you get more projects but for but for this one 
Yeah, we can't on. build it without money. So uh, do- donations would be really great at rayalimemorial.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, um, and I know we have support because uh, we have news, the newspaper keeps on giving. We have, they have two articles. The radio stations called me. I have, um, well, my main spokesperson is Trina Parks, which is uh, the first African-American Bond girl in with Sean Connery. And she, yeah. and she represents us and also Miss Montana. Yep. Uh, she she made a she created a video for us, so I'm feeling that the support is actually there because yes. I created this not for me, but to make people work together because the modern world is is so divisive. Yes. Even when you look at news media, they're not meant to inform people. No. They're, what they're doing is they're making people fight among each other because that's where the money is. Yes. If you can if you can roil up someone about an issue then they will have to watch your program all the time so it's all about ratings rather than than actually giving the right information it's not it's not it's it's not unbiased anymore no it's not Uh, Uh -uh. so there's a saying that if you don't listen to the news you will be uninformed but if you listen to the news you will be misinformed i don't listen to the news anymore I, i don't i if I want something, I search for it. That's what I do too. If somebody says, "Oh, this speech is bad," I look into the actual speech, not their interpretation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, and and I'll and I'll create my own point of view based on the biblical standards that I adhere to, and that is exactly. godly. Because when Carl Jung even uh, explains to it that you cannot survive without God, whether it's God, God, or the small letter G, God, that means mm-hmm. it's you, exactly. or some or something else. Yep, I agree. So that's so, called the Ram Ray Ali Memorial Project. I will put it as well into the description for people to know uh, about this as well, and I will put it on my website as well. Um, oh, thank you so much, that. Emma. That oh, yes. helps so much. Thank you. Oh, that's what I that means a lot for, for Ray. Huh? Oh yes, I think it's a beautiful <laughs> story. Not only this, but um, animals are one of my causes close to my heart. So may oh, as well. Great. Well, so. I wanted to involve even the the, the animal activists and and the, the the dog lovers and all the animals because yes. we we have to be stewards. And uh, when the yes. first heard about Eleanor, I cried when he told me that story. Oh yeah, I'm horrified. I'm, I was crying when you were talking about it, yeah, so I, mean, I, I did not make noise. I'm still but... teary eyed. Every time I talk about, it, I'm teary eyed because I it is so human. It's so yeah. genuine. It, we're oh, yeah. supposed to care and. Uh, and uh, at least if we can teach the children, that's why everything that I have right now is because of the formative years that I have, thanks to my parents yes. and the good background and the social, social, uh, religious uh, views that I that I was exposed to. So thankful, I'm so thankful for that. And uh, and in fact, God calls each and every one of you listening out there. He is calling you by name. It's just that. We have so much pride of what we think is right. And pride is the first sin of creation. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because somebody didn't want to be like God. And that's what's happening right now. When everybody wants their own way, everybody mm-hmm. wants to be God. And we're not God. We're an and extension not. of it, but we're not God. And that's what people mm-hmm. are forgetting. We got God in our hearts, in our spirit, but we are not God. And that's, yeah. one, that's what people are forgetting or misguided by what's, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, media, it's, whatever they're seeing. So now what is Mission Bull Eyes? 
Okay. Uh, uh, um, mission of uh, our bullseye mission is actually yes. one of the missions. Sorry. One of the one of the one of the um, projects. Uh, the things that we do for because I teach children and also special needs. Okay. I was thinking, uh, what can I do to help the special needs children in the local area that I have? Mm-hmm. Because most of them. They, they do they may not talk about it, but they do have issues they, they can think they know they know what's missing in their lives so i i started thinking about let's teach these children archery the bow and arrow yes and then i was thinking what if they don't have hands well i i what i did was i appointed volunteers who will be their hands and feet oh nice let's say uh, let's say i have um i have a special needs child who can't use the arms he's just paralyzed Mm-hmm. I assign someone to be their avatar, and then the, so the child will actually tell him pull to the right, to the left, let go. Hey, <laughs> Wait, that would be Mac. He just decided to cross over just to. They're looking outside because Daddy is next to me, but you're not seeing her. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, I teach mental methodologies of how to be okay. successful. I learned that because of my passion of wanting to learn it. Mm-hmm. So I've learned. I learned that. I can teach scripture by using archery. Nice. So I had these programs for three years where I have these special needs kids. We do archery and we talk about some scripture, about, about something to, to encourage them. So we pick yes. the scriptures and then we, we talk, then we teach archery. And not only that, the things that we, um, that, that bother us are, uh, or problems in life uh, that place in the mind, it's 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 based on imagery. Uh-huh. That's why dreams are in images. It's not about smells. It's not about hearing. It's imagery. That's yes. how the brain processes. So what I did was the bullseye actually represented the things that they want to destroy in life. Uh-huh. Because I what I did was I had balloons, little balloons that are stuck in there. Yep. And I write and I let them write or have someone write on the mm-hmm. balloon what their fears are. Okay. The fear. Nice. One one of the little children wrote, I fear my stepfather. Oh. Okay. When I started reading what they wrote on those balloons, yep. I cried. Because now I'm I'm actually seeing what's in their hearts mm-hmm. since the mind is made of and is built on imagery you can actually do a method methodology to to clean up the 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 the, um, the, the bad things in the mind by by yep. destroying the images yep. so let's say i have this balloon i i'm i'm i fear my my stepfather and it becomes a bullseye they would yep. try to hit as many times until they burst that balloon Yep. If they really can't, I'll have the child approach the target with the arrow and stab yep. thing. Yep. And there was a complete change in their in their in their their outlook by just yes. knowing that imagery they destroyed that they're not yep. scared anymore. Exactly. Or or I'm I'm afraid of people laughing at me. I've yep. seen that too. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a change in them. So yes. that's only one one thing of the, the little things that came out of of the um, the imaginings, uh, the corridors of my imagination, as as guided by the Holy Spirit, because I wanted it. If you want it so badly, the things will come to you. I have the volunteers yes. and everything. Yes. So well, that's that, what Mission Bullseye is. That is that is amazing. So we're gonna go on the lighter side right now. 
Okay. So you're working with uh, Miss USA. You worked on on a lot of uh, even Miss Illinois. Yeah. So uh -huh. how did it come all about? Because I'm like, <laughs> okay, we talked at the beginning. Yeah. Childhood. So you yeah. Childhood. <laughs> no way. It's funny. Yes, it's childhood. Oh my because god. Because when, when I was uh, young and I was in my pre-teens, of course, you no, know, you always have that puppy love and uh -huh. and. All the girls that I really have had a crush on and tried to ask to go out to me and everything else, everybody rejected me. No. Yes. Why? What is wrong with those girls? I, well, uh, what's wrong? And then, in fact, I questioned myself, what's wrong with me? Oh. Maybe. So this is the formative years again. I was starting to believe. I, was not, I mean, I didn't really quite believe it. I was thinking... Maybe I'm not good looking. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Oh, wow. Maybe I'm maybe so and so. And that happens with a lot of preteens. That's why mm -hmm. the preteen era, that's a very sensitive era. You can't just tell a girl you're ugly. You can't do yeah. that. Or you're fat. No, you have to kind of kind of you have to know the language. So I had to go through that. Like I was starting to ask myself, how come these beautiful girls don't don't want me? Um, yeah. I have, you know. The, the first girlfriend I had, Emma, is when I graduated from college. I never had a girlfriend high school and college. And that's how I was oh, thinking, wow. golly, I, I must be that bad looking. <laughs> so. Well, it, may I so, say something? Not really. Okay. So I think they so, needed glasses. <laughs> so I made a promise to myself. Okay. The promise was one day I will work with the most beautiful women in the world. And they will be coming to me. Oh wow, that's awesome! And then I realized I was—I've been working with the most beautiful women in the world, and these are women who would call me for advice. And whenever my friends see me with a picture, let's say a group picture, let's say twenty beautiful women trying to squeeze in, who's going to be right beside me? Yep. So now the men are asking. <laughs> it's like, how do you do it? <laughs> okay. And then I, there's actually an answer to that. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. And the answer is that women are actually very perceptive, and they can read they can read uh, nonverbal cues more than men. Yes, true. That is so true because yes. that's part of my my learning, and because of the passion. A woman can read a man whether he has bad intentions or not, or he yes, has sexual intentions. Yeah, you can yeah. really easily say that. By the way, a man looks and things like where where he looks at things like that. Well, if you worked your 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 being into yeah. God first, and you yep. wanted to help someone, it is so pure that they cannot see anything wrong with it. They actually wanted to wanted more. Well, yeah. So the trust factor is very high. Yeah. So when I offer my help to a woman, the woman clearly knows that I'm there to help her someone yes. she could trust and but my problem now was everybody trust me then they're like everywhere like, <laughs> I, so and, but you have not answered the question how did you got to help them how did you got in i, I well, wear a perfect synchronicity yeah, or what yeah sure again part of the synchronicity is like again uh it's like the um uh, i'll explain to you in uh in the matrix of possibilities which explains everything else yes Yes. In, in how Einstein explains what gravity is, mm 
Okay, because gravity is something that you can you can only measure, but people believe in gravity, but they've never seen it. You cannot see gravity. Yes, you can only yes. see the effects of gravity. So yes. the explanation is about the the different dimensions of the universe. Now, if uh, yes. we we live in a three dimensional world, there's height, yes. and there's width, and there's length, and you know, we're three dimensions, right? Even though yep. you can go around your hand, yep. you can see three dimensions. Now, if you if you reduce that three dimension to a two dimensional universe, then you will only have a flat surface. Yes, because there's only two points instead of three points. Yeah. So it's like if the whole universe was made, if space and time was made into a flat surface, as, mm-hmm. just for 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 discussion. Yeah. And you have, let's say, a sheet of rubber, the rubber sheet mm-hmm. that was stretched in a flat to a flat surface. Yeah. That's the space and time. If I place a bowling ball in the middle of that rubber sheet, the bowling ball is going to indent. Yes. Right. Yes. So that represents the um, the um, uh, when you displace space and time. Now, if I place a ping pong ball on one side, one corner, the mm-hmm. ping pong ball could not displace it as much, so it will gravity it will roll toward yes. the, the indentation. Yes. And that's what's happening with gravity because of the three dimension we have a mass that's why the gravity is determined by the mass of the structure like mm-hmm. jupiter is so massive if you come close to jupiter you're not going to be able to get out anymore no nope. it's because it's indenting three-dimensional space time which we yes. cannot see mm-hmm. possibilities are like that as well yes if you have intentions and passion whether it's good or bad you will Mm -hmm. indent and displace that matrix of possibilities everything else will come to you will Mm -hmm. roll into you like the ping pong ball and i wanted to do that so one day i met miss illinois and then i was i met some people who are taking care of the miss illinois and they said well we needed we wanted um judges and we want a uh, uh, we want a different mix of people. Would you like to join? I said, sure. And then from then on, I started talking about um, doing lectures for the Miss Illinois and everybody gravitated. And then from then on to the next beauty pageant and the next. So it, so it, it gravitated everything because of the passion, because one, because of a promise on oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> this one, this preteen that one day you just, you just, Yep. Wait, one day I will be surrounded <laughs> by the most beautiful women in the world. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. I love it. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So again, we always look into if you want to change the world. Yep. Change your you thoughts. Start with yourself. Yes. As um, Mahatma Gandhi says, be the change that you want in this world. Oh, yeah. It's not with us. Yeah. As and then, as anybody else is. And then begin yes. with the children. So that's how to how to change it. Wow. Like all this uh, culture that we have mm-hmm. that you need to have a safe space because you don't want to be offended. Yeah. That's the worst thing that uh, that we're that we're allowing people to do. Mm-hmm. Because to be offended happens inside, not out externally. Yes. If I tried to say cuss words to someone in a different language and they have no idea what I was saying, they wouldn't be upset because yep. there's no meaning. Exactly. The meaning is happening internally. Mm-hmm. But the problem is if you think you're right and you find people dislike you, then you think you're right because there's others like you. Yes. 
and that's what's going on right now is because we're removing God and the principles of God. That means whatever's right means it's only things that makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. That means they want to be in a comfort zone. It's not going to work. No. Well, you, you can invert everything else, but it's just not going to work. It doesn't. Yeah. No, no. So I want to talk about a topic right now, and I don't know if you're going to want to engage in that or not, about your mom. Sure. Yeah, you bet. Anything. Your, mo- your mom had a stroke. Yes. And you did something amazing because you helped your mom, if I'm correct, to use yeah. the left side of her body. Yes. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Okay. Well, um, again, I think it's partly cultural again. Cultural, first, when it comes to the health, right? Yes. In, in the Philippines and different cultures, food that you take in and eat, is the, the value of it is based on the taste, not the nutritional value. Yes. Right? Okay. I'm sure it's all delicious, but it's not really good for you. But lots and lots of butter, but still not good for you. Um, uh, my mother was not good with her nutrition, as because she, as much as many other Filipinos and other people. Um, so her nutrition was bad. She she developed a stroke. When she developed the stroke, um, I knew she could. She could. I I believe she will be better. Of course, the person who has a stroke thinks it's the end of the world. Can't move yes. the arm. Can't can yes. move the side. And I happen to be a physical therapist. Uh-huh. Just imagine called the odds of them. Because when yes. when she says, I have bad, she actually tell, told us this, that she has the worst luck of having the stroke. She can't move. And she was told by my aunt, you are the luckiest woman because your son is a physical therapist. Exactly. I would have said and exactly the same thing. So, so again, it's the syn- you can call it synchronicity. Yep. To what my calling in life becomes, mm-hmm. it was in preparation to help someone. As yeah. much as where you are right now, Emma, mm-hmm. you you don't even know that whatever you are right now, whatever you achieve, there will come a person that would be needing you as you are. Because mm-hmm. so the dice had been rolled from a long time ago. That's why it's yes. God's timing, not us. Yes. And um, from then on, now she's completely good. Um, she um, lives uh, with her with my brother. He's single. Uh, she's just about two miles away. She remarried again, but the second uh, husband died. He was a, he was a Korean War veteran. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a matter of telling your mother. Uh, this is uh, the only mother uh, mother I have. Is you have them. You have to. They sacrifice so much for me and my my siblings, love and caring. It's time to give it back. You know, you have to give give it back, and always reminding her how much I love her. I call her almost every day. Go there, bring her flowers, then bring her out, take her out. So it's again, it's the return back of the nurturing. You have to give it back. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a saying from the Filipino national hero. His name is Dr. Jose Rizal. He's actually my hero as well. We were born on the same date, June 19th, but we were about 102 years apart. <laughs> he was a slight Fili- difference. Yeah, he was a <laughs> Filipino genius and he was known for his, uh, his writing. He wrote in Filipino, which uh, translates into English. It says that whoever it is who does not look back to where he comes from will never reach his destination. So that means that means you have to have gratitude. Mm -hmm. You have to return. And that's why I keep on returning to the Philippines to help out 
the Filipinos who could use yeah. the technology that I have. Yes. Because I know if I if I completely if I completely um, separated myself, <clears throat> I probably would not reach my destination. It's like the 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 karmas of the universe. Exactly. You cannot just take and then another saying to that is be careful not to step on people's heads whenever you're climbing up because okay. they're the same people you're going to meet coming down. Yes, exactly. And I okay. think people and so, are forgetting about yeah. this. People are so forgetting so you, about yeah, you, you treat people uh, as if it was you. And if you want to talk about someone, because though, even though what you talk about will come back to you. Mm-hmm. If you have to talk about someone else, just think in your mind that whenever you're talking about that someone else, that someone else is sitting right beside you listening to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. If you have that that attitude, you will always you will you will not slip into saying something that you'll regret. Exactly. Because it will come back to you. Exactly. Words are so powerful. The they one are. the whole creation was because of the word. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. It is powerful. So what are your game plans right now? What are you doing? What are your projects, the coming up projects? Are you outside well, of all of your uh, Michelangelo rom oh, outside of What else? Outside, yes, outside of it, because you're such a busy man. There's a saying that if you want things done, you ask the busy man. <laughs> I'm asking the busy man right now. Yeah, exactly. because most of the time, when people think, when people say they're busy, they can't do it. It's not because they're busy; it's because they don't want to. Exactly. Yeah, and um, I'm actually excited because let's say having the romp Ray Ali Memorial Project. Yeah. I didn't think about this before Ray Ali died. I thought about it. It was it was a product of my love for my best friend. Yes. So if you ask me what else is there to do, I'm actually excited because. It's an unknown horizon for me. What I know is before I leave this world, there's still going to be lots of things. And it's all biblical. God has the better days are still ahead of you. And God only plans of of good things coming your way. But you have to be in the the resonance of God. Mm -hmm. So I know there are still things that that will be better than what I've done in the past. All I need to do is keep on believing and loving God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So I'm actually excited in a way like, Lord, what else is there? Because I know there is something out there. So I'm an explorer. You're exploring the universe. You know that you're going to find something. Yes. And you know it's going to be beautiful. Yes. So now, because you, if I'm correct, you have a daughter. Yes. A beautiful daughter. Thank you. Are you are you passing down this to her, or yeah. or is she going to take everything from you and or or more, or is she has projects on her own? I I, I only nurture her. <clears throat> I do not want to force my daughter into the things that I love. So um, yeah, she yeah. has she is her own being. She's into yeah. yep. fashion and designing, and she has she's a different she's a different person. But what I instilled in her in my daughter is the fear of God and believing in oneself. She knows my story. I tell her yes. about that. Yeah. And even to the point that I, uh, if I try to help out people with PTSD, it's because I come to the point that I almost committed suicide. That came to my point one time. So may I ask you? Yeah, I, I can, I, I, I may I ask talk you about it. how it happened. 
Yeah. And why, what drove you to get to PTSD and almost uh, take mm. your life? Absolutely. It's actually in my book. It's uh, unpublished already, but it's out of print. But it's, you can actually still find it in Kindle. Springboard to Heaven, the Jojo Says an Adventure. Mm-hmm. That was um, uh, written by James Reardon. Uh, he was I know, my I biographer. I yes. talked to him. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, actually. Yeah. And, for my uh, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Even, um, even that book. I wanted to do something like that, but Jim Reardon was the one who came to me and visited me one time back in 2011. He visited me, and I know he's a famous uh, writer. And he said, Jojo, I want to write your story, a book about you. And I said, Jim, why do you want to write something about me? I'm a nobody. Nobody knows me. And he said, that's why you have done so many things and nobody yep. knows you. Exactly. Yeah. People don't want to read about people they know already. I agree. Yeah. So, so I wanted this. It came to me. So everything that you have, you're passionate about life, whether yeah. something good or something bad, it will arrive. Yes. But it's designated time. And he arrived. So mm-hmm. I started out and I had to tell the story. The story is that. Every successful person that you meet and hear about, they didn't get there so easily. They got there because they have to, they have fallen so many times more than the usual person, but they got up more than they fell. So when I came over here, I was 21 years old. I came here because I love my family. I knew I could, I could never support them back there. Um, so I came over here. I also had a, um, I had a fiance in the Philippines. My first girlfriend was my fiance. Okay. After college. Yeah. Um, my goal was to help out my, my parents and my mm-hmm. brother and sister and also save up so we can get married. Mm-hmm. Uh, long story short, my father developed cancer while he was in Saudi Arabia. So now I became the breadwinner of the family. I didn't have to do it, but in our culture, that's called the, the unspoken demand. <clears throat> the oldest uh, child will take care of yeah. everyone else. Yep. So I worked so hard, I had barely nothing. And on top of that, my fiance betrayed me and married someone else. So during that time, that the, and then I was broke. Uh-huh. So just imagine the, the financial problems. I was yeah. by myself. I did not have a social support system. Yeah. Um, my father was dying and I was betrayed. So I was at that point that I felt like I have no more meaning. And that's the time when, when somebody, if the, somebody doesn't have God, I thought that everybody, everyone just deserted me. I failed my family. That was, that was what I was thinking. So I thought, I was going to end my life. So one uh, one night, it was uh, between one p.m. one a.m. and three a.m. I decided that I was going to blow my head. So I got my thirty-eight special. I still have it upstairs. It's still loaded. It reminds me that I have control. <clears throat> so I play. I I was sitting on the bed at night and I was crying. Because I didn't have any more meaning. I was meaningless. Mm-hmm. And that's what causes suicide. Meaningless. Yeah. So I put the gun right here. I didn't even pray. I just started pulling the trigger. Wow. 
and that hammer started pulling up just a little bit more and it's gonna yeah okay it was right here i was pulling it and something happened i saw a vision in front of me i saw a black wall mm-hmm. and a black door mm-hmm. and i was reaching out for the doorknob of that black door mm-hmm. and when i was pulling some more i was turning that doorknob and I realized what that door was. It was the door of the point of no return. Yep. Okay. But before I completely open, uh, completely turn that doorknob, God gave me a vision. The whole, my whole life flashed in front of me like a real movie reel. Yep. Yep. It was true. Mm-hmm. I saw it. And then it stopped. Then there was a vision of, um, of a silhouette of a woman holding a little girl. And the little girl was crying. Mm-hmm. And I recognized who they were. It was my future wife, who, who I have not met yet, and my future, future daughter, who I would kill. Yep. She was crying. And I realized I will kill, I will kill her, and I will, I will, I will, I will throw away the opportunity for this woman to become my wife. Yep. I realized suddenly it was I was stupid. I was selfish. So mm-hmm. to kill yourself, that means you're only thinking about yourself. Yep. So I let go. So the hammer started coming down, and I prayed. The following morning. It was a Sunday. The sunlight was was going through the window. Uh And I kneeled in front of that window. Uh And I raised my arms up. And I prayed to God. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm not fighting anymore. Use me. I asked three things. said, Lord, grant me the wisdom of Solomon the heart of David and the strength of Samson and I shall extol thy name in all that I do. And it was all a turnaround. And this is what you've seen now, the things I've done. Yep. That's beautiful. And he has given me that. Yep. So when did you meet your wife? I met her in 1991. She was... She was introduced to me by a patient because um, most of the time when you're single, like when I was single, my patients tried to hook me up with their <laughs> daughter and sneeze like, you should meet my, my daughter. And I get that all the time and I'm tired of it. <laughs> they, they'll show me a picture of their daughter and it's really not my time. Like, Here's my picture of my daughter. They're like, oh yeah, nice. Like, um, or sometimes I ask, is she pretty? And then the answer is, she's very kind. Yeah. So, <laughs> is she is she pretty? She can cook. <laughs> They're avoiding the question. But anyway, I had this Filipina uh, patient, and she said, "I have um, I have a um, uh, cousin who has um, a single in the, in the suburbs." Showed me a picture. It's kind of pretty, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I started from there, and I went to their house and the apartment, and asked you know, if I could meet her and her mother. She was the youngest. Her mother yeah. had passed away already. 
they were living together and she was the wife that I was going to marry. And that Good. was the person that I, the silhouette I seen. Yep. Yeah. You saw. Yeah. So there's a lot. So, so the life I'm telling you is, uh, is really, a, 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 you, there's a lot of God in it. Yes. Yeah. It's just that most people don't want to hear about it, but the, it's real. That's why I have to pull in some references that without the without God or a sense of God, you cannot survive. You will be meaningless. So I, I have to push that forth. But uh, I have to go beyond what I can, and that's uh, the God. Uh, the, it's the God of Jacob, Isaac, Isaac, and Abraham, and that's what I follow. And and I follow Jesus Christ. And that's another story. I can defend Jesus Christ um, on why Jesus Christ. I can <laughs> do that, but it's, it'll probably take another couple of hours to do apologetics. <laughs> no, we're good. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. We're good. But this so I, I want to give you answers that are succinct enough, but also meaningful enough. Oh, it is meaningful and it's powerful. And to me, listening to where you come from, how you got the, where you are today, and do all of your projects and having the faith, the beliefs. And, you know, talking about, I think it's pretty powerful as well, because I'm in me tear up too. Um, uh, the fact that you had PTSD, you wanted to take your life, um, to me is essential because you can save somebody else's life, actually. Those are the kind of conversation that can transform somebody. And if somebody, somebody who, excuse me, my dogs are acting up, I don't know why it's retrograde. Mm. Um, but if, if somebody can hear your story, hear your struggles, then they can relate and they really can believe and keep their faith. If they lost their faith, they will bring back their faith. We all go through trials and tribulation, and our faith is always going to be challenged no matter what. Correct. Yeah. And um, from this conversation, I know that. God will not allow me to do these things if, and, and it's not because of my sake, but for the other's sake. Because yes. when, when people realize that what their life is all about, it's for the sake of others, not for themselves, then yes. that's where the true meaning comes about. Exactly. Because when, um, when, uh, when you go and it's time to, to meet your maker, yep. the best, the sweetest words you can ever hear is welcome my, my faithful servant. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to hear. Yes. And I'm pretty much sure they should be selling, saying that to you, actually. I have seen beautiful pictures from your social media uh, places you have been uh, and all based on religions, on faith. And really, uh, to me, it's you, you're the living words of what you're talking. You're not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. Walk, and walk, walk the walk and walk the talk. Yes, yes. Oh, by the way, a little, a little um, snippet of information. Cool. Do you know where that term came from? Walk the talk. No. Yeah, most people don't, but they use no. it. <laughs> uh, walk the talk uh, came from Aristotle. Really? Uh, the, the Greek philosopher. Yes. Aristotle was born in the, uh, around, three, three, around 384 BC. But uh -huh. when, when he taught his students, he taught, he likes to teach his, he liked to teach his students in the garden. And he likes his students to follow him when, and when they took a walk in the garden and he would teach his philosophies. That's why it came from that. 
you walk the talk because his lectures were walking lectures in the gardens from 384 to 322 BCE. And, and uh, I appreciate it from him, actually. Yeah, so that's, that's a little sn snippet. I love yeah, it. So his, his life was uh, from 384 to 322 BCE. That's uh, his lifespan. Mm -hmm. So, but no, that's wonderful. Um, you have an amazing life, an amazing story to share. I am so humbled that you took the time today to speak with me. I know Mike is mm. with us and extremely quiet, which is amazing. Mike, do you have anything to say? <laughs> oh, Mike's yeah, there. Okay, been, Mike. Oh, yeah, I've been sitting here listening while you were talking. I snuck a picture of some puppies in. You guys were engaged. Nobody noticed. <laughs> uh, no. It's just great. I love uh, with the almost it's a decade now that we've, we've been working together, Jojo. And yes, I know. Mike it's, is a great it, guy. It's, a, it's amazing to be involved uh, in, in what the energy of the world should be. I used to say in what you do and you just do what should be done. Right. <laughs> and you just do it in elegant and educational ways that encompass love. So it seems strange and odd to most because the world's missing a lot of things and love being the the main essence of that so with that i gotta say i love you and i thank love you, you for every opportunity you've provided allowing me to open those doors for myself just through the words of encouragement like you speak uh and talk the walk on a, a, a and walk the talk on a daily so it's just uh, it's an honor and a pleasure. And also, Emma, thank you for uh, helping me always learn more about the individuals that I surround my life with. Uh, you ask the right questions and I get to uh, to hear answers and insights that I hadn't been privy to. So it's a blessing to have both of you in this well, world. Thanks well, to the universe you. for that. Thanks to the universe for that. Because um, I, yeah. when I start a conversation, it's always with the universe and it's always God talking through me. So I'm channeling the universe all the time. So for me, well, that's, that's great. And uh, and uh, Mike, I hope that uh, you remember the, the most important thing or important sentence that I ever told you ever since we met. He probably doesn't remember. You remember, Mike? <laughs> that that's a tough one. You've got one, right? <laughs> Jojo, exactly. it's not fair. You have yeah, I know you have another but, book but, you haven't even talked yeah, about that is yeah, but when, filled yeah, with but, those sentences. <laughs> yeah, but when but when I tell you, you'll know it. I told you before, Mike, I believe in you. Absolutely. That's what you are right now. It's what's been happening because I believed in you. And those are pretty no. powerful words that a lot of children or adults don't hear it. Absolutely. Because okay. I did not grow up in a way you did. So for me, listening to you is extremely interesting because my mind, and thank God I've always been connected with the universe. I only was, uh, I never felt that I belong where I was to start with, but I always listened to the universe, never to the people around me because I wouldn't listen to them. I will not be where I am today. But it is powerful, like you said, I believe in you. I think that people should say that to others more often. And it is powerful for a child, extremely powerful. I'm going to be in tears in a minute. Um, when you don't have the encouragement 
and you feel invisible or you look crazy because you don't think the way they think because you see things that are not visible, quote unquote. It's extremely empowering to have somebody say to someone and a child, I believe in you. You know, well, if, I, yeah, if I want me add as well, when, uh, when uh, everyone is connected like a beautiful tapestry in life, Yes. You, uh, someone might have achieved something that you did not, and but you have achieved something else that you, the other person did not. The main thing about what I'm understanding, I'm, I'm understanding to un, to answer all the basic questions in life. Like for example, uh, why are people born? Some people born poor. Some people yep. born beautiful. Some people are born smart. Some people are born special needs. Why? People ask me that all the time, and I actually found an answer to that, Emma. What is your answer? Because I have one, but go ahead. Okay. I want to hear yours. The answer from God is also a question. And the answer question is, what are you going to do about it? If you're a billionaire, will you build me churches? Will you feed the poor? Will you build me houses for, for, the, um, for the indigent? What are yep. you going to do? Yep. If you are not so pretty or you're <clears throat> poor, are you going to stay in the mud or are you going to make yourself a better person to teach other people? So my lesson there, and I'm telling you my, my, uh, my message for you and Mike is that when you start comparing yourself with other people, you will feel bad that they, you never got it. But the, the thing about that is whatever you didn't get, it's actually a lesson for you that you can actually give that to the next person. And I'll give you an example. You know, probably in my in my uh, social media, you know that I put on for twenty my twenty seventh year this year. I've been Batman in. I put a Batman outfit. I go mm -hmm. visit children in the hospitals in yeah. the Philippines. I put a Superman outfit. I've been featured in the uh, in the television for uh, the Filipino superhero before cosplay was uh, was popular. And there was actually a um, a um, reporter who asked me who asked me before. How did I become a superhero for children? And I gave that, uh, that um, reporter an answer. See, when I was a child, I grew up in a not so good environment. With, when it comes to children, around, there are some bad ones. I was bullied, physically bullied, emotionally bullied by the children outside of that. I have a nurturing home, but outside of that, I'm not protected. So I was bullied. When I was being bullied... I, I, I have been reading comic books that were basically garbage from the American GIs from Vietnam. Mm -hmm. My uncle, who was an architect, would work there, would take these garbage home, the, the comic books, and he would give it to me. And I would read about Batman, Superman. <clears throat> and I prayed to God that, God, um, would you send me a superhero to protect me? Uh -huh. It'd be nice to have a superhero friend. And then through the years... No superhero arrived. Yep. There was no superhero. And when I grew up and I matured, I realized why God did not send me a superhero. Because I was that superhero. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to be that superhero. That's why I become the superhero that goes with children and visits them and terminally ill children tells them it's going to be okay. And and even to the elderly, I would wear a costume and to the indigent and to, the, to, the, to those without uh, parents, mm -hmm. uh, homes for children. 
I became that superhero because God wanted me to be that superhero. That's the reason. So if you did not have what you wanted, then it's not because God didn't love you because you are now given that that authority that you are supposed to be that person to give that. That is pretty powerful. Thank you. And, and Emma, there's uh, Jojo's YouTube is definitely yes, not used as much as it should be. Uh, and there is so much content. <laughs> of Alliance of the Superheroes, of Jojo and the Tomb of Lazarus. Uh, like it goes on and on of the plethora of places that yes. uh, are just to click away. So I am going to put it on the, um, as I said, I'm going to put it into the description as well of today's podcast. I am going to add it as well um, into my websites um, for that as well. So, yeah. Definitely, we're gonna do that. Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. Oh no, it's been an no, honor. Thank you, Jojo. It's been an honor to speaking with you mm -hmm. in such an empowering uh, two hours talk. Amazing, and I'm sure for people around the world who's gonna be listening to you via my podcast, it's gonna be an inspiration. That's what it's all oh, about. Thank you. But remember, I'm just a servant. I'm I'm not a higher ranking. I'm just a servant of Jesus Christ. So I I work as a servant. And that's what that's why uh, it's so empowering because as a servant you're giving message, faith, hope, and beliefs, and that's what matters the most is when people can hear your story, hear what you said, your words. Those are inspiring and gonna light up the fire within people to do and change the course of their lives. Thank you. Well, that's the whole idea. Well, we have exactly. a chance as long as we're breathing, we have a chance. Exactly. And the, the main mission is to actually find God. That's our main mission. Exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you, Emma.